welcome to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with your host, Buddy Satello Esquire, Mike Leno, and a super special guest I'd like to introduce him this week because he's the guy that got me into wrestling, literally. The man who opened the door for me at All Pro Wrestling and told me to come the hell inside. I could address him as Donovan Morgan, I could address him as Andrew Vassos, but I most like to address him as a good, close friend. Andrew Vassos, thank you for being with us this week. Hey, thanks for having me. This is crazy seeing you guys. Mike, Mike Lano looks good, I'll tell you that. Hey, do you remember, wait, wait, I want to get this out of the way, this cornet thing, very briefly, because when I was a young manager, I don't even know if Buddy was, uh, Russ was coming to the shows, you know, like Gabe Ramirez and, you know, just sitting in the crowd. Uh, before he became a manager, but he can. No, I only went to one show. I went to one show, and that was the Healdsburg Armory show. That All was right. my first show, and I set the poster up here. Very briefly, Roland had me do almost everything. I don't even know because I think you were in the first class. We can get into that, but you know, he had the cable access show to publicize APW. He had me doing the news, you know, international news. But uh, I was a heel manager for just a couple of weeks. And, um, uh, and we had some sort of a feud or something, and we, we recreated the Jim Cornette with me getting a face planted in the cake. I can't remember if you're the one. I'm pretty sure you were the one that either threw, threw me into the cake or shoved the cake into my face. But you brought up before we went on this crap. I, I have to clarify it because it didn't happen. Tenth story by the time it got to Cornette. I'm over there. I, I was going over there and almost living in Japan, late 80s, early 90s. And I would always stay at my Gong Magazine editor's house, Wally Yamaguchi. The third, he had three floors. The second floor was FMW Sonita office. But anyway, he asked me when I was there in uh, most of uh, the spring of 91 to, he goes, you know, ever since Wakamatsu, we've never had a, a good manager. So this is, Russ can appreciate this. We never had a good manager. Nobody that could talk or do shtick. Can you ask Jim Cornette if, you know, anything he wants, we'd bring him over, just three shows, pay him whatever he wants. Uh, and could you just ask him if, if he would do that? I would like to do it because Wally Yamaguchi was using All Japan Women, JWP Women, New Japan, etc. guys on sort of indie shows and they weren't working for the major companies. I asked Jim Cornette that and he politely declined. He goes, I just really don't like flying great distances. So. He was still flying, but not to where later he would become, you know, like uh, John Matt and just drive a bus, etc. So it's like Sabuda shows. And, and that was the end of it. And then somehow or other, I don't know if it was Rob Feinstein or somebody else started saying, oh, because I mentioned that, you know, I asked Jim Cornette. We almost had Jim Cornette in Japan. It didn't happen. And then somebody took that. And that's how it evolved into, oh, Leno was trying to book Cornette. Fuck no, that was bullshit. Never. I just passed along what Wally said. Jim said, thanks, but no thanks. He's very appreciative. He would have loved to have gone, but the flying thing, I told Wally, and that was the end of it. So there's so, that story. So for those listening, right before we started, Mike said, I'm, I want to get into some of the stuff that I did in Japan. And I said, well, I know you got Jim Cornette booked, and then that started this whole thing. So that's a great way to just reintroduce ourselves. <laughs> Every time I've had it out with him, I think he got mad because uh, I was bidding against him for Vern Gagne early 60s board wrestling game at a uh, New York convention. 
and I was bidding. I really wanted it, and I, you know, he ended up winning. But the fact that somebody was actually bidding against him drove the price up to that he had to pay. So I see him. I mean, Evan and I had him on the radio show for a good 45, 50 minutes, maybe 10 years ago. So I, I think we're cool, but I, I know he loves to rag on me. Everybody loves to rag on me. But, hey, I have fucking done more stuff than any other photographer. Nobody's shot as many tours in Mexico, Japan. Well, every single magazine on the planet, freelance for WWE since 1983, the magazine they had in December of that year. You're, what I was going to say on your behalf was that there were so many things there when I started in, in 96. We were spoiled because we didn't know who you were. So our introduction to you or to Dave Meltzer was really just what Roland told us. That's all it was. It's Carney. Oh. Roland yeah. Carney, I'm not criticizing him because I had known him since about 1970 when I would come up for the better Cow Palace shows when I was living in L.A. and uh, would come up there and Meltzer would be taking serious notes. I would actually stay at his house. His mom and or dad would come pick me up at uh, San Jose Airport and then take us to the Cow Palace that Saturday night. I would spend the night. They'd take me back to the airport. But uh, Eddie Moretti uh, would sit with Roland. Sometimes they'd be, you know, trying to pick up girls and stuff. They were a little bit older than Meltzer and I. And no, uh, it's funny because we didn't appreciate it. Like we didn't know. So now, you know, you fast forward 20 plus years and you're sitting here on, on Skype and you're like, wow, man, we really had some, we had some people that were around the Bay area that, I mean, you really helped us. You took great photos. You always included us in the photos. You always gave us these photos. I, I have a bunch of photos that you gave me of like Cauliflower Alley and just action photos, Masawa. I mean, you know, just great stuff. So, you know, going back just to say, uh, appreciate all you did for us because I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you ever really get the credit that you deserve. But that was really Look at the nice. shot behind me. Russ, let's see if I, I can't make it any bigger. That is from 1969, my, my then home base, the Olympic Auditorium in L.A., working for the LaBelle office, shooting ringside for our program, which is where the magazines hired me. But Neil Moskers had just beaten Bull Ramis, Apache Bull Ramis, in a hair versus mask match. He's cutting his hair. Sadly, I don't know, Russ, if you can make enlarge that or you guys can see it, but that's Johnny Redshoes Dugan as the ref on the left and the New Japan ref called Red Shoes Now, yeah. took name as a in tribute to Red Shoes Johnny Dugan. And that's Jimmy Lennon Sr. also helping in the middle, cutting the hair. And you know, I mean, Jimmy Lennon Sr. used to help drive me and Richard Dawson's kids, the family feud guy, to cool. the Olympic. Uh, and, and then I moved. So I was coming up to shoot Roy's shows. And then the magazines started flying me all over the world. But I eventually, in 79, got married, wanted to go to dental school in San Francisco, escape my folks in LA for a while. So I swapped and I was working right out of in the free, my free time for Roy Shires in his office, the last three years of his office with his publicist, Davey Rosenberg, and then flying to Los Angeles or something major was there, like Backlund defending the Tri-WF title against Roddy Piper, the only time they ever met for the title or, you know, major stuff, uh, whatever was going on with Moskers at the Olympic Odd. But I was shooting everywhere. I shot a ton of Misawa versus uh, Jumbo and Stan Hansen, etc. in all Japan well before uh, Noah happened. But let me shut up. So back to... No, don't worry. It founded the show with Evan Ginsberg, and that's Russ. 
Yes, and so let's uh, let's go and and start from the beginning, and let's let's talk about how you how you got started in wrestling. Period. I mean, what what got you involved in it as a as a kid, and how did that carry forward to your career? First at APW, and then and going forwards. So always wanted to do it. Never wanted to do anything else. And uh, one day I was I I'm from Modesto, California, so that's where I grew up and went to school there. And one day I went into a Walgreens on Standiford Avenue. And I, I got a, a magazine and there was a big spread. It was probably a three or four page spread on Pacific Coast sports. And I took it home. I showed my dad. I said, I want to go here. And he was like, oh, you're going to go to college first. You know, he was very not into it, as I can see, you know, being 46 now, probably not the best decision uh, that you can make, you know, for your future. But um I, I ended up going to semester of junior college, and then I came home one day, and I was like in tears, and I told my dad, I'm like, this is not a, you know, we need to go to this school. I just, you know, come with me so you can see what it's like. So we went in, and we met Roland, and he was about an hour and 30 minutes late. We had driven from Modesto, so typical, typical Roland fashion. Uh, but, but he was cool. He, and my dad... My dad warmed up to Roland because Roland was uh, Roland liked me like almost immediately, and and I ended up going to APW approximately a year later. So I started my first class was in April nineteenth of ninety six. You were in the very yeah. first class with Modest and uh, Mike Diamond, right? Shoot, no, no, I Second. was not. I was in ninety six. I think Modest. And Diamond and those guys were like ninety-two. No, maybe maybe ninety-four with Ricky Thompson. Okay, always Ricky Thompson, obviously the first trainer, and he was the one that trained you. Primarily. Right. So so Matt Heisen, Spike Dudley was was my trainer. So on the first day of school, my trainer, and then six months later, he had gone to ECW. So I got the first part of him, and then uh, Modest kind of took over from there. Uh, his, his job or something was keeping him from training. So that's kind of how I started at APW. And um, I remember when you were uh, voted as future legend. And here I have a uh, picture to share with everybody here. A cauliflower? Yes. Or I, yes, you were the Cauliflower Alley future legend. Because he's in pretty good company because Kurt Angle, Benoit, Melissa Anderson, um, Many others, uh, Frankie Kazarian, were future legends, too. I can't remember what year that was. I'll call him Donovan because I've never called him anything. Sure, sure. Work name. So, I, I mean, tell me about you getting that that award of future legend and, and also your early title runs in uh, APW and what that was like. How did it feel to be champion? It's funny because I was telling... Um, I, I'm real good friends with Tommy Drake, so Corey is, is, is Corey carries his real name, but um, him, him and I have stayed best friends ever since. So we not only have stayed best friends, but we've got into business together, and so we work for multiple companies that intertwine with each other in the financial services world. But uh, I was telling him the other day, I said, before 
before you came to APW, he came in like 98 or 99. Roland had gotten mad at me. And Roland and Modest were, were ticked off because I had skipped a, a practice and I told them I was working. And then I came into the gym show that night with uh, Sunburn because I went to the beach, the girl. And so my, I wasn't too smart, you know, so so they caught me. So they were ticked off. So they basically made me that uh, the, the mentally slow character with where I wore the headgear and all that stuff. And so I basically turned that into something that was a pretty, pretty cool thing. And I ended up fighting, you know, wrestling modest a couple times and then I beat him for, for the belt. And I just remember that that was such a cool thing because even though like it's the, you know, you're, it's just an AP, it's an indie belt or it's an indie title, but you know, I was like 20 years old and everyone just did not expect it. And so that was kind of my first shot at, at, uh, you know, taking something, running with it, making it good. And that was pretty cool. So um, was that uh, was that punishment uh, you having, and then you made, uh, Lemonade out of lemons. Yeah, with that particular character, that brief, because you went through lots of transitions in AP Dub. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. It was it was punishment, but it was good. And you know, that's the thing too that you know, based on on the way things are today, where everything is just so, you know, everyone is is you know so afraid to say anything or do anything. I mean, back then they let it fly, and. Uh, I never had a problem with it because 99% of the time it was right on. And, um, and I could say that for Roland too. I mean, it was, it wasn't anything that didn't make us better and didn't get us to where we were supposed to be going quicker. Um, th the difference was, is finally when we did get to the point where we were making money in Japan, that's where it stopped for me with Roland because I, it was my livelihood then. And it was something that I had worked five years for really hard. And so I felt that there was, uh, you know, that there was some hazard there having him involved or being involved with him at all. So that's when we had to cut ties. But we were told that uh, Mistawa and Noah said, wherever you guys went, that's where, and I'm going to get to that very briefly in a second. That's what they would follow. So they weren't interested in rolling. They were obviously interested in you, Mike, Bison, but, uh, and you had brought that connection to APW. Just very quickly, I want to throw this out on Beyond the Mat. I had been hired by Barry Blaustein as his still image photographer for four or five years of pre-production footage. And I don't think you were on any of those cards in Vegas, the TC Martin ones, but that's where we were shooting a lot of interviews, or Blaustein did, uh, Terry Funk, McFoley, Sabu, et cetera. And, and he was, like just spending all of this money. We were going to different places, uh, ECW in Texas and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you kind of better, you know, are you just, because he's basically Eddie Murphy's uh, script doctor, punches up the scripts, you know, was there with him from Saturday Night Live on through all of his best movies and, and some of the lesser ones like Pluto Nash. But I said, you know, we had a lot of talks along with his, one of his fiscal partners, Barry Bloom, the super agent who started with Jesse Ventura, and then he managed Hogan and Nash Hall and, and many others. And so he was at all of these things that we would go to, Blaustein, 
Bloom, myself, and I said, why don't you do like the obvious and maybe focus on a legend? And I suggested Terry Funk and or Jake, who was falling down, and somebody current, and he came up on his own. Blaustein eventually went with uh, Nick and Rock. And then I said the future, and I said either a guy uh, like I know so well, it's amazing, Chris Candido, or we have a guy right in my backyard, my home base, Modest, Mike Modest. And that's when the whole thing to come up and film at AP Dub happened. And you remember Roland spent a ton on the camouflage things to make you know, the dojo, the gym, the actual gym for gym wars, but it was primarily a teaching facility, titted up, looking great. Okay, now that brings me to just a quick thing, and Russ can chime in on some of this, but the Misawa thing, so Misawa and all, almost everybody, but Kawada and uh, even the back office people, they left, Baba, giant Baba dies, and Mrs. Baba, Matoku Baba was just, she didn't even hardly understand the biz. She just drove them off. I saw her have a screaming match at a vendor table with Dory Funk Jr. and Marty Funk. We were talking about Ocala, Florida, where they live. And I saw Mrs. Baba in action. She would yell at the boys backstage. Uh, and, and blah, blah, blah. So they go and form nearly everybody, front office and the boys to form Noah. And then pretty much everybody knows how after King of the Indies 2001, I guess it was August of 2001, you guys take pretty much everybody, a couple of exceptions, even refs, back office people to form Iron, Pro Wrestling Iron. And it's so parallel the formation of Noah and then the connection with Misawa and Noah it was brilliant, and people outside of wrestling would never even get how, what a big deal your promotion, Iron, was. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, what was some of the stuff, you know, because Meltzer and myself talked about this a million times about bringing in an outsider who'd never even worked or appeared for, even though he's fantastic talent, Brian Danielson, you never had anything to do with APW prior to that. How was he even booked on the show? You know, Roland is, I was in charge of bringing the legends, so I brought... Roller Derby Smula and Ann Calabella, Bachwinkle, he knew was supposed to be on there, he couldn't show last minute. Bastien, Fritz von Goring, Kenji Shibuya, Pepper Gomez, who I drove there, my wife drove there. And then Roland, whatever, gets all of these talent for this thing that would beget Ring of Honor, Evolve, all these other future promotions, would look at the success of King of the Indies. What was the deal with Danielson? Why he had, Roland had competent people training. I think Vinny, Modest, I don't know if Ricky was still there, maybe you training. Well, what was, if you can talk about that, because. Uh... Yeah. yeah, so right, the, the second King of Indies, when we were in Japan, we had just flown back from Tokyo. Uh, it was either, I don't know if it was the same day, but it was pretty close to when King of Indies started. And Roland had, I remember Loki, Danielson, uh, Brian Kendrick, they were all there at the at the uh, dojo and Roland said, everybody get in the ring. And so all, you know, all those guys get in the ring. Well, I didn't get in the ring. And one of the reasons I didn't get in the ring was because I had been on tour for four and a half weeks or it was three and a half or four and a half weeks. It was one of the longer tours that we did. And um, he's like, Oh, why aren't you getting in the ring? And I, I was like, because I'm beat up and I'm tired and I'm, I, what, what do you want to see from me? And so that was uh you know, that was interesting because the very next day, Danielson and Kendrick pulled me and Mike Modest aside. And they said, we want you to know 
that Roland is basically asking us if we will take over the training duties because you guys are in Japan so much you can't work the school. But we kind of feel it's a little bit shitty the way that he's going about this and we wanted to to talk to you about it. What do you guys think? And we were like, cool, do it. Thanks for coming to us. Those guys, I mean, you can't argue with anything Danielson's done, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. So then after that night, that was the first, I think the first night of King of Indies, um, we had basically made our minds up that we were gonna, gonna do something else. So and it was it, just- It was interesting though, that I think, well, correct me if I'm wrong, the talent, for example, I'm not talking about back office and reps. I mean, everybody went with you guys. Um, I don't know when the timing was, if they knew you guys were forming a your own promotion there, uh, in affiliation perhaps with Noah, but the, the, the talent, I just felt loyalty to you guys and, and left. I mean, I think Vinny, I can't even remember who stayed other than Vinny. And remember, this was at the time when that King of the Indies happened in 2001. Roland was doing the, whatever you want to call them, the co-shows with um, Rick Bassman's UPW. So that's where Kendrick and Kazarian, Samoa Joe, Keiichi, uh, Sakota, who passed away, you know, Samoa Joe's right. That's where Melissa came up from because she was then at that point with um, one of the uh, Canadian guys. What are those? The Ballards. She was with the Ballards. Which one? But they all came up there. So yeah. I have all of these photos behind the scenes, like Melissa giving everybody massage, you know, the next prior to their match. And, uh, you know, he had all this APed up talent. And you had, uh, I, I don't know how many times, well, you guys might not have participated in going down to Bassman shows in Orange County, like in Irvine, Long Beach. But well, no, you uh, were part of the the invasion. You invaded down there, and then they came yeah, back. Yeah, we were up going here. down there for a while. We were we were going down there for a while before we started with Japan. And um, yeah, and Cena was there, for example, as prototype. You know, Bassman didn't have a lot of guys. He had some big giant guys, even bigger than Cena, that couldn't wrestle for shit. Yeah, but he but, had Samoa Joe too, and Samoa Joe came up, and you know that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about too uh is is you know what it was like to transition from apw where you were working with roland but roland was always the mastermind of everything that happened he was kind of the the mini vince mcmahon you know maybe a little bit kinder and certainly not as sharp a dresser as vince hey McMahon. and beyond the mat roland is remembered as the big heel of the film not vince mcmahon jr but roland yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, it's true he came um, up say a carney now roland Love that. He didn't take umbrage at it, you know, but that was rolling. I mean, I had to cover... Where, where I was going with that was then you transitioned to PWI where you were in charge of running a Fed and being in charge of the booking and working with, with the other boys as far as putting those matches and the promotions together and the, the events together. What was that like? That yeah, transition? the bigger question though is, did you know, that? did you guys already have in mind that you were gonna form this promotion iron when you left or was that just a later result of you guys saying, you know, we're leaving and then maybe talent saying, well, we're going with them because we have this loyalty with Mike and Donovan and, you know, maybe okay. just Bison, Mark. So Russ's part, um, when you said, you know, Roland being the mastermind, 
the, the, the actual cool part about the whole transition was, and if, if we're talking about who the person is with the, with the mind, it wasn't Roland, it was Mike. So that made it a lot easier, you know, him coming over because he, no matter what Roland made himself out to think he was, um, 75% of that was Mike, maybe more, but him coming over, then that part was, was a pretty easy transition because I feel that, um, I don't think it was so much loyalty, uh, as of the other guys coming, um, a, a little bit of that, but I think a lot of them just saw where they, where we were going, you know, to, to look at you know, Masawa coming over and, and Vinny to be in a match with Masawa, you know, that, that's a pretty good thing, right? I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good so, reason. So Vinny Masaro did leave. I can't remember like who stayed. It might've been Mayock, the magician and, you know, right. folks yeah. like Larry Blackwell, Robert Thompson, Robert uh, Thompson stayed. And that was it. I think it was Mayock, Thompson and, and Blackwell were the only ones. And, and you know what? Good. I think it was good that way. It worked out good. And to answer Mike's question, I think we kind of decided the night that Kendrick and Danielson came up to us and said, hey, Roland came up to us and said, once we knew that the gloves were off with with the way that Roland was going to going to go around with the chess pieces, we're like, this is ridiculous because Roland would ruin some of the best things that will come along if he got his hands on them. And I don't really think that he'd do it on purpose. I just think that he, it was just in his nature. It just happened. Um, so we just wanted to get away from that. And that's kind of when well, we decided. I knew also he, he really upset the Japanese. I forgot this entirely because he came t as a kid. I threw a convention in 1991 for Sam Munchnik, and Lou Thez was my MC. There was tons and tons of people from the business, the Briscoe Funk. So Solas uh, Snuka, who yeah. was WWF for a while, he's on the Iron Show against Vinny Massaro, who we just lost. You know, wonderful friend, Vinny. Not Vinny Massaro, Boom Boom Kamini. Ogawa against uh, Solo, and here's Ogawa, and I forget who he's standing here with. Oh, that's Solo. Yeah, that's before, that's at practice before they let the marks in. Solo and uh, Ogawa from Noah. But you guys had, and then Russ has to finish his question. You guys had, the, you guys uh, brought forth the Noah connection. It was basically, you know, I guess he came, he saw you guys. Mark came into it a little bit later, but it was initially you and Modest as the Noah connection, at least two years prior to the King of the Indies thing, maybe even a little bit longer. Isn't that correct? Might have been three years. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because that was that was so huge. Whenever, um, I don't know if no if uh, Misawa saw you when he was still with uh, All Japan. No, they had run about their first. They were done with their first year. So they had just wrapped up their first year and they, uh, Ed Schumann knew a guy. So Mike had gone out and worked some shows in St. Louis, met Ed Schumann. And I had talked to Ed Schumann on the phone, even though I had never gone out there. And Ed Schumann called the office one day at APW and I picked the phone up and he says, and, you know, he said, Donovan, you need to send a tape to pro wrestling Noah in Japan. It's we're, I'm doing belts for them right now. 
So I told them about you and Modest. It is imperative that you get them a tape immediately. They are coming out to look at talent in, in I think it was like, uh, you know, April, March, April, somewhere in there. So I got them a tape. They sent me a letter back and they said that they weren't interested, but if they changed their mind, they would, uh, they would let me know. And then one day I got a call at the office and it was Remy Mamota wow. from, from the NOAA office saying, you know, we know we sent you this letter saying we weren't interested, but the boss has a layover of about six hours in San Francisco. This is before 9-11. So, you know, you could you could really get to your gate pretty quickly coming and going. So if you can come pick him up, he'll look at your talent. And so we picked him up and he came to the school and Roland had a whole list of talent there. And uh, we were very forthcoming with letting everyone that, you know, we thought was going to be good. I know Daniels was on that tryout, Tony Jones, Vic Capri. Um, you know, there was a lot of people on that tryout. And just so happened, Modest and I were, I think that was about a week and a half after Brian Ong passed. So I was jacked up in the head, really jacked up in the head. Um, and I just remember like feeling such a weird feeling that day because I was dead tired. And Mike was just like, dude, let's just go out there. They said, go out there. Don't call anything. Just work it in the ring. And uh, next thing I know, you know, I'm in the Budokan doing semi-main event, my first tour with Ken Amaro. So that's how quick it went. So your match was with Modest directly? The In the dojo tryout it was. Well. My tryout match was with Modest. So um, uh, you get a call in 1999 from a guy in Marin County who says he's an attorney. And, you know, he wants to learn how to become a professional wrestling manager. And he's willing to exchange legal services for being trained on becoming a manager. What, what did you think at that point? Well, you know, I thought, and pretty much just to kind of go back a little bit, Roland was getting all of these email applications in, and he was putting them in, he would have his secretary put them in binders. So back in the back office, because of Beyond the Mat, once Beyond the Mat hit the theaters, these applications kept coming in like, you know, we had stacks of binders. And so I went to Roland one day and said, you know, Modest and I were talking and, and Modest says, you know, why don't you let me quit my job? And all I do is just call these, these applications because literally there's probably enough there for you to at least work a year. I mean, that's how many applications there were. So calling through the, these, everyone knew who APW was which was such a hot lead because all I had to do was call and say who I was and that I was with APW and that you had turned in an application online. Sorry, we, we haven't gotten a chance to get back to you. It's, you know, but we're so backed up. I mean, does that sound pretty familiar, Russ? Like that was kind of the, the first part of the call. And then, um, you know, when, when someone says that they're an attorney, you know, that's always, 
you know, cause to listen a little bit harder. And so, but you don't know who's full of it and who's not. So until you meet them, uh, same thing with Sarah Del Rey, right? Sarah Del Rey came up. I probably called her. It might've been the same week as you, because I remember that you two signed up together. It was, it was right at the same time. So yeah, she used to beat the crap out of me in valet slash manager bump school. She used to beat the crap out of me. I remember that. Yeah. Yes, I know. Everybody laughed. Good and time. I, yeah. The, the, uh, uh, but, you know, because I, I, I want to thank you on air um, for giving me that opportunity because you were the first guy to take me seriously there. Everyone else was like, I can't believe you're an attorney. And you want to do all this shit. And I just said, you know. It's such a bucket list thing. Yeah, a, a dentist, a dentist in my free time. And I had associates that could work when I was in Japan. I had three associates doing all the dentistry and high, two hygienists so I could go. Wait, before I forget, look at this. Can you see this Omori in this one shot at uh, the Iron Show? I, of course, had him holding up the magazine. That looks good. Wrestling Illustrated. And there's Omori against Mike. And uh, Ogawa here right underneath the... Uh, Iron, you'll get all of these. But can you tell me, you guys tell me, who is this kid? He was, uh, I think Modest broke him in, but there he is with the Omori. Yeah, he, Hook. Hook Bomberry, yeah. Bomberry, yeah, because he came down to uh, some Rob Black XPW, which I think you guys both did, as well as uh, Hook worked on a pro wrestling gorilla show, at least when he was... He I think he got hurt. I think he was he was uh, he was doing very well. And what happened just, to him? Why did this? Why did that leave the biz? He just hit me up on LinkedIn like about a week ago, and really? I I had been out in Vegas and I saw Apollo Khan and we went out to dinner. Oh wow! I know. So yeah. He sent him. I think they're friends, and so that's what kind of triggered that. But. Uh, cool dude, man, and, and all of the, the potential in the world. But okay. I think, you know, it was one of those things that there there was a, a kind of a buildup to what shut me down. Because at the end there, I didn't have any gas left in the tank from doing five years of Noah and doing the school and just, you know, it, I was just exhausted. And, and if you throw Mike Lockwood dying into the mix of that whole thing, that took that took a lot out of everybody. And so when we kind of got to the end and I moved to Florida, it was like, I was, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was really happy that I was going to do something else. I mean, well, I have, it's a transition. It's like, cause you left the biz and left California, California for Florida. We had heard, you know what we all heard. We heard he met this great gal. She's wealthy and she's got some kind of business there. They got married. He just left the biz. And, and then we all lost touch with you. So we could never verify whether any of that was bullshit. But I know it had to be perhaps because we knew how hard you worked and you loved the biz. But you were leaving that and California for like a foreign place in Florida. That must have been difficult for you, I'm guessing. It was, maybe, it, not, maybe it was refreshing. I'll tell you the only thing that kept me through that was Stevie Richards kept me he kept me alive, number one, and he kept me uh, wanting to wanting for something better than wrestling. So he was still in the business, but it was like you had this guy that was like, dude, 
you're gaining weight, man, you got to be careful. You know, you, you, you're, you're really going to, to damage yourself. And so you fast forward four years, I stopped drinking completely in 2010. And, uh, and then it was like Stevie, I think was done with WWE right around there. I think 2011, but, um, he's, he was a guy that had like, you know, saying you can do this, man. And I would tell him about, I would call him on the phone and tell him about everything I was doing in the business world. And he was like, man, you're such an inspiration, man. You, he would come down and look at what I was doing and he would spend a few days with me and he would just be like, you're unbelievable to, to get sober, to do, you know, Donovan, you're like, you're, I, I really like admire that about you. And to hear that over and over and over, it was like all of a sudden when I started making money in financial services and then he's like, I knew you could do it. I knew you could do it. And it was like, I believe that because you told me that for 10 plus years that I could do this. So that was good. Um, that I, had chiropractor. I knew Stevie when he was on Indies. I used to be flown out to Jersey and Philly on the predecessor to ECW, Joel Goodhart's TWA. Joel is in Florida, not that far from you. And would see Stevie on Dennis Coraluzo's show, sometimes on his rival, Joel Goodhart's. But Stevie's a chiropractor. So tell us, uh, how did you He's come into the financial services thing? Are you uh, like a fiscal guru? Are you on uh, Fox News Business Week or stuff like that? What do you, tell well, us what you're doing. So, so I started in 08 with a, a big financial company out of Clearwater, and I worked there for 16 years. And when I tell you that I worked seven days a week because I saw that I could what I could do with this company, um, by the time I got to 2021, I had I had laid my foundation for the rest of my life. So now it was what I wanted to do, and and you know getting everything in place for that. And so my partner and I, my business partner and I, who I met, funny story about my business partner, um, which which I'll tell you. But when I when I came to Florida, the the week I got married, I went to a bar, I had a drink, and I got myself hired on as a bartender there. I didn't, ha I didn't have a job, so I just quit Japan, and I started working at, uh, at this bar, and there was a kid that, that would come in there, and he was 24 years old. He was dating one of the waitresses, and he was very sharp, sharp dresser when he'd come in. He was a, a good talker, and, and he was like... Um, I'm, I'm going to work for this company in Clearwater. You should come with me. And I'm like, ah, you know, see how you do. And, and six months went by and I called him. I was driving to driving down the road one day and I said, you still with that company in Clearwater? He said, yeah. He goes, you want a job? I said, yeah. He goes, come tomorrow. I'll tell my boss you're coming. And we started selling insurance. That's what I did in 2008. And I don't think I've ever worked as hard as I've worked for about 15 years straight, but now I don't have to. And that's the best part. Now it's more challenge. You know, it's a challenge to see where we're going next. So my business partner and I are opening up a, a bunch of offices, but we're tied in with these venture capitalist group out of Nebraska. And 
without getting into massive detail, I, I, I'm not doing the selling part anymore like I did, uh, but I'm doing more of the, the model and the structuring for the model of these offices that are basically all specialty driven boutique offices where they have a financial planner, a CPA, an estate attorney, an insurance person, a Medicare person, and they're all under one roof. And so this was this was our model that we created. And we we actually we, we blew ourselves away with it because we, we thought we were going to just do OK. And now all of a sudden we've got people going, we're going to pay you for this model and go around and teach our offices on how to run this shop. And I never, ever thought I would be doing this. <laughs> so it's just it blows me away that that it's just it's, you know, God's good. That's all I can say. Good. But that's that Russ got to talk. But you have a built in audience. So many wrestlers don't have fiscal sense. Luckily, my wife did. We've invested really well. We've got a couple of houses, rental properties and stuff. That's good. But the wrestlers, more importantly, though, the wrestlers often I saw so many guys like Pepper Gomez, who was renting a duplex when he died in Alameda near me, blocks away from me. He had nothing. And this is a guy who main evented all over the world, Australia, Japan, Canada, U.S., everywhere. And uh, and there are others, you know, that, that piss away their money that are getting a lot of money today, the kids. And it can be, you know, MMA people. So you have many disciplines that you had involvement in. but. I don't know if you've got any customers that are wrestlers or boxers or MMA people from the sports world, but they really should be coming to you wherever you, if they're close to Florida or in Florida. Yeah, it's it's funny because, um, you know, everyone looks at things different. And I think I just got, I don't want to say I got lucky because I, I don't believe in that, but there was definitely, um, when I moved here, just to up and move from California and end up in the villages, Florida, which is like the Mecca of retirement. So if you if you compare it to Palm Springs, it's like number two. So there's I'm, you know, 11 miles from the villages is the crow flies. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of opportunity when you're around retirees that have saved their money. And um, so I work mostly and have worked mostly with retirees. But um, I came home one day not too long ago and I told my wife, I said, you know, sometimes I got to pinch myself because you know you're doing good when your CPA tells you, Andrew, you're going to have to buy either a plane or a boat. And I said, yeah, that's, I, that's probably a good thing, right? But again, never thought it'd be me, but it's just, it's awesome, man. It's like, I'm so glad to be on the other side of all the hard stuff, at least for a while, because I didn't like being a drinker. I had to really work hard to shake that. And that was my downfall. That was, that was my downfall. Was for, it from the, the pain uh, from bumps and all of the stuff that you no, were in abyss? It was really just me being a, a moron. It's really, I like drinking. I liked it, you know, and uh, I just, I liked it too much. So It was had, a real partying culture, you know. At, but, uh, I'll tell you what saved me, though, and, and there was a guy at the insurance office that I started at that was 65 years old, 
And he came up to me one day and embarrassed me. This is what caused me to stop drinking because I respected this guy so much. And he came up to me and he said, you know, Andrew, you would be good. In fact, you would make millions of dollars in this business if you'd stop drinking. And I was just like, what do you mean? And he's like, you drink too damn much. And I said, all right. And I went home and I told my wife, I'm not drinking anymore. She said, well, you've told me that before. And I said, no, I'm serious this time. I was embarrassed. And, and you know what? Now let me see if I can make the million dollars. So that's how I, that's how I did it. Well, congratulations. More power to you. Was your wife, you met her, did you meet her in California? Is any of that true? And yeah. she, she was not involved in wrestling whatsoever or the arts or anything? No. Like that. She worked for a financial services outfit still does. Um, and I met her in 2001 because I lived with Corey and Vito Tomaselli and we all lived together upstairs in an apartment in Livermore and she was our next door neighbor. And so when I was home from Japan, she would sit out, she worked from home, but I would go out on the porch and, and sit there. And so she would come out. So we talked, we were friends for probably a year before we even started dating. So I'm, we got married, we moved to Florida and she basically kept us afloat while I could get my, my, my act together. But yeah, we've been married 17 years now. So oh, we, have, we have a son, 10 year old son. Wow. Yeah. Is he a wrestling fan? No. And that's, what's funny. He's a huge baseball fan, but, um, he, he, I've shown him things and he's just really not that interested, but he loves baseball and we do travel ball together. So about five or six days a week, I'm either at practice or, a, or a game. <laughs> so that, you know, that can wear you out, but, uh, it's super fun. I'm going to send you a clip from the Giants first victory parade when they won the World Series. What year was that, Russ? Was that 2010? 2010, yeah. And and I am at the victory party at San Francisco City Hall on Van S. There at Gary, wow. I think it is. I am two inches right in the front, the press box, the photographer's pit, in front of Tony Bennett, who was singing. He was the the you know wow. the mayor, and Schwarzenegger introduced him, and then he sang "I Love My Heart," and I'm right there hogging the the camera, but. The most important thing was, uh, you know, obviously the Giants. And uh, so I don't know if he's a fan of the, the, the race of the Marlins. The, the no, team. I'm, I'm a Giants fan. I'm probably a lifer, and especially now that Posey's part of management. That kind of reeled me back in a little bit. But uh, 2010, I actually flew out to the parade. So that was super fun. Okay. And in 2012, I went to the World Series. I flew back. And I, I was at game, it was game one, Verlander against Zito, where Sandoval hit the three homers. That was the best game I've ever been to. And it was a, a World Series game. And then I went in 14, too, when they were, when they beat KC, so. Okay, so while we still have a little bit of time, I wanted to do this with you. Um, I wanted to just throw out some names have you say your thoughts about them if you can give like a, a two-sentence thing about you know each one of these names so first of all i'd like to start with uh 
Crash Holly. My uh, well, he's a dear friend that was that was lost too soon. His daughter actually came out two weeks ago and stayed with me for a week. So she was here. She's 26 now, Patty. Really? Wow. And you, she was a little girl at his funeral. She was. So, she yeah. was. I remember. She's 26. I'm so proud of her because she came out and she's all week, right? She's here all week and she's like, I want to live here. I want, to live. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, but you gotta, you know, you gotta go home and and really buckle down and get a good job. And she went back. This girl, she went back home and she started her GED, and she she got a job, and now she's a manager where she's working at at a restaurant. And I'm just like, Patty, you know what what happened? So Stevie and I both met her when she. She, when she was here, Stevie actually lives close to me now. He's about an hour away. So he drove and saw her. So it was kind of a cool reunion. But uh, I like the fact that, you know, she's around and, and really he's not out of our lives because he's still around, you know. So that's, that's really fun. cool. All right. Boom, boom, Kamini. Boy, that's, uh, I just heard about that actually when I talked to you, Russ. So. I'm, I'm really out of the loop, so I don't know a lot of what's going on, but uh, just a health issue. Uh, Boom Boom was always busting everyone's balls, especially mine when it's I was a titty still. twister. He'd go with everybody in the locker room and do the titty twister shit. Yeah, yeah, I know. Mine still hurt, you know, but uh, that, that's really, that's a sad thing. Um, he, Beatties, he lost at least, Russ, didn't he lose one or both of his feet like some of the guys? That yeah, did? no, he lost his foot up to his, his uh, knee. I always remember him as a tremendously uh, caring booker. I mean, he really cared about his in-ring performance and how what was done in the ring was believable. That's one thing I always liked about what we did at APW and in pro wrestling. Sure. Iron is that we didn't do stuff without a story for free for children. He did all kinds of stuff like summer camps and, you know, all, all of this stuff. He was really devoted to helping educate kids. You know, it was at, at odds with him being a smart ass and sometimes a prick. He's a super great guy. I'd see him on yeah. the bus, the uh, Gary Stockton bus all the time. And he'd tell me what was going on with the kids. And I'd go, well, I had no got another name. Got another name for you. Yasawa. Yeah. Oh, he, he was a great boss. Um, the one thing I'll say is that when it came time for our first raise, uh, we, Mike and I went into his office and basically uh, Remy said, Masawa wants to give you guys a 3% raise. And so this was way off of what Mike and I had talked about it being. Um, and so Mike and I just kind of whispered to each other, what do you think? And Masawa said to Remy, you know, ask him what they're saying. And, and he kind of knew what we were saying anyways. But uh, she said, are you happy with, with the raise that he's offered you? And Mike said, uh, it's not that we're not happy with it. We were just hoping for a different figure. But we were respectful of it. And uh, so he came back and said, well, tell me what figure you were thinking. And so Mike told him the figures. and. Uh, Came back a couple minutes later after talking and said, yeah, we can give that to you. So I always thought that that he was very fair and, um, you know, loved working there because really outside of the last, you know, couple months we worked there, there really wasn't any politics. 
So we were able to kind of steer clear of any politics, which is good. Here's a, shot of, here's a shot from Iron of Misawa with Dirt Bite Kid at your Iron thing. Oh. Rem Mimoto, people don't know, she is the granddaughter of Ricky Dozan. Right. And was going, she came to a number of cauliflower alleys and she was going to college like in 91 when I first met her and I go, whoa. What, so I didn't know she was working in Misawa's office because her dad came over too, uh, great Momoto, but everybody knew he was the son of uh, Ricky Dozen, but I didn't know she was working in the office, the granddaughter. One one final name to give you, and that is Mark Smith. Oh yeah, again, way, way too soon. Great guy, great heart, um, just fun. Fun to have shared that part of our career with him and, um, him share that with us, you know, just too, too early. I still really, that's one I can't still really believe is real. You know, that, that one's, that one's rough. You booked me in so many great matches, both with him and against him. You know, I know you, you, your match against him as Super Destroyer 2000. Do you remember Roland coming up to us after the match was over and saying that was the best match he'd seen Mark ever wrestle yeah. against anyone? That was an awesome one. In fact, you drop kicked me off the top rope. Do you remember, do you remember giving me the drop kick? Um, I didn't even feel it. You, 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 you hit me perfectly. And, uh, you know, we, we, we also did that great light show together um, with Mark Smith, uh, where I, I tagged up with him. It's the only time we ever did that shtick where I actually got in the ring and actually wrestled. And then you did a Michinoku driver on me. And then uh, Robert Thompson pounced on me from the top rope and, and nearly broke my arm. That was, that was, that was, uh, I, I was incredibly scared during that match. And, and that was really something. Um, but working with you and Mark and, and the number of times you booked me with Mark, I always want to thank you for that, that because every time I worked with Mark, it was my pleasure. Good shot. So there's Donovan when he had the, the beard with no mustache against Omori. <laughs> yeah. Boy, time, time goes by so quick. I, I don't remember things until people tell me. It's like, Apollo was reminding me of all this stuff that happened. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I, I totally remember that now. But I don't think about this stuff in, in, unless it's brought up or I don't remember it, I should say. But uh, man, I've forgotten a lot. I'm trying to find my shots of rust, but here's you. Modest is doing a scissors onto Mike Diamond. It's like a three-way yeah. match with the, the big three of APW before uh, Bison got in into that I little quick. So I, I, I want to find out, what was your favorite match, just of all time? What do you, what do you feel is your greatest match? So there's, there's two of my favorite matches. So one is the match against Kinemaru and the Budokan for the junior heavyweight title. That was my first tour ever. That was a great match. Um, and then my other favorite match was the Tokyo Dome match with Ricky Marvin and Kotaro Suzuki against me and Mike Modest. So that, that was also my, that was my favorite because you can't get around, you know, 70, 80,000 fans just being a crazy thing to be at, you know, that was kind of everything that you had done was at that moment came, came to that moment. 
And uh, that was pretty sweet. How does it feel looking back on that now? Um, so I'll tell you, this is interesting. Um, when I moved to Florida, I had all my wrestling stuff packed away in boxes. And I told my wife, I said, uh, it was a press probably 09, 2010. She said, you know, you should probably take some of that wrestling stuff out and put it up. And I said, I'm not taking it out until I become a millionaire. Well. And she said, why? And I go, I don't know. I just want to make it at something else first. Instead of looking at all this stuff like I've done something constructive, you know, even though it's super cool. And so, you know, that's kind of how I held myself accountable because now it's all up. But it's like it stayed in the garage for for a long time, you know, and and that was kind of how I it felt good to put it up because I know, OK, I earned this. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that's that's a trip I didn't even know. So Modest and I were in these video games. So these, I knew about this one, which was Teens of the Coliseum 2 PlayStation. These are Japanese. Um, and then this Kings of Coliseum, this other one, I didn't know we were in this one. So someone sent me this. And I actually have a, a PlayStation 2 modded for Japanese games. So I put it in. Wow. I mean, my boy, my boy thinks it's cool when he's when he can play me on the yeah show. yeah no that's, that's nice pretty cool but but other than that he really doesn't care. <laughs> are you watching? Are you watching any product? Or are you totally divorced from? I watch some things, um, you know, but but here just passing through. You know, I mean, you're really aware that Vince McMahon had to give up his promotion. That that was pretty huge in the Wall Street of all things. The Wall Street broke that story. Yeah. Yeah, and I have my my opinion on that, you know, which which I think that that's a great exit strategy for him. I don't think he gives two rips. Um, a guy like that knows he's untouchable, and he knows that, you know, hey, this is a great way out because to him, and if you think about a businessman that all he does is work, right? Because I was that, <laughs> maybe still am to a point. The worst thing that you can do is ever say what? That you're quitting. But if someone forces you out, you didn't quit. So I almost think that, you know, he invited it because you have to, you have to, he had to know that the board was going to find out about that. And eventually, or they came to him and said, hey, this, this is going to come out. So we just need to plan the time for when it comes out. And then when you want to step down, this is a good way to do it. I think it meant more to him to step down this way than the other way of just of just saying I retire. I mean, I really do. It's a publicly traded company too. So uh, you, you never know. I mean, a lot of it could be some work as opposed to shoot stuff, but um, he had to go and the product's never been better now that his son-in-law, Triple H, Paul Levesque is booking and improving stuff. There's no thought police removing fan signs at ringside, or if they wear a T-shirt from an opposing company, they can actually wear it now. They can say the word wrestling on their TV. Um, so it's it's a really good time if you not watch the Biz or AEW, which held shows. They they're based out of Florida, right near you. You know the guy's owner, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. Father. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard time to. Like for me, and I talked to Stevie about this a lot, you know, and in fact, I was texting him this 
probably for the 20th time in, you know, the last year. But I was like, it's so hard for wrestlers now to be a character or a spinoff of who they truly are because you can't be anything now. You can't be anything that might offend someone or, or tick someone off. So you have to really walk the line. And I think some of them do a really good job of staying in that line. But the whole thing that makes wrestling what it is, is what's outside of the line. Oh, I remember how much you were in love with the uh, uh, South Park soundtrack when it first came out. Oh, that was great. You used yeah. to play it in the office all the time, you know. Especially, you know, Uncle Effer, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the very end part Wait, of it. No, the best song ever on South Park was the uh, Jack in It in San Diego one. <laughs> if Donovan knows what I'm talking about. Hey, those guys get around the line still, right? So they, they, they're, they're great. Hey, so tell, I, tell Stevie Richards. He'll remember this because this we're talking way before he even started ECW. We're talking probably 93, 94 that uh, he and she's still her heart is still broken a, a female worker an ex-girlfriend of mine trained her but her ring name was brandy alexander her real name was jerry j-e-r-i she still is upset that he broke up with her this is stevie dr stevie i'm sure he'll uh not remember <laughs> he was like a philly jersey gal so, so while, while we're, we're at the hour, can believe it or not, it moves so damn fast. Uh, Let me plug his firm if anybody. Yeah, I, I wanted to make no, sure. That we don't even have to go there because we're not, we haven't even launched our brand yet. So just, you know, next time we meet up, we'll go through and, and if there's anything to plug, we'll plug it. But to be honest with you, I'm working on the, on the floor inside. I'm not selling. So it's, it's real. You know, I'm real hands off now as far as like financial services in the field because I'm doing it behind the behind the scenes now. Well, when you are ready to make that next step, because there's still lots to talk about. And, you know, we just scratched the surface even in an hour. So we'd love to have you back. Maybe one hey, of the times. I'll tell you this, Russ, you you got it's it's not it's hard for me to want to talk about wrestling like this. But when we talked on the phone that one day and we talked for probably an hour and a half, I think your whole ride home. And I was like, gosh, man, that was kind of fun. I, you know, I was just, you're the one that roosted me up out of it. And, and so thank you. That was it's always there, man. It was it's always there fun for ages. Just remember you are fondly missed here as a class class athlete. I know you've, gone and done these other things and more power to you. We're all obviously uh, proud yep. of you, obviously, but such a class athlete. And I covered your whole career and you were an amazing, amazing talent. And um, just everybody here, I know they're going to want to watch this and, and see what you look like and hear what you've been up to. They miss you, you know, terribly. We miss Iron. Had so much fun there. At, at iron uh, on a multitude of levels and uh, i mean i don't even know where uh, frank murdoch what a great guy just a total character super i mean the guy could make wrestling rings and do everything and he's yeah. you know there was in touch with him lot no i haven't been in touch with him uh there's a lot of people though that really helped make iron um what it was because they all had special gifts right like 
he was that guy. And then you had, you know, other guys like, like Buddy. Like, I think where I really grew to like Buddy a lot, a lot was with Iron because we got his brother um, to be the ring announcer who was really good. And so everyone had he loved doing that. Fun. That was so much fun for him, too. He was so well, happy to do everybody it. Everybody had a specialty, you know, but, but we wouldn't have been what we were either without guys like Meltzer. I didn't even know Mel, <laughs> you know. I didn't even know he lived close until I had been there a couple of years and then kind of caught up to who he was. But, you know, you, between you and him and all those people helping us out, we wouldn't have been able to get where we got either without that. So, you know, thank what you. Right. Back. Come in there. Nigel McGinnis came in. I even have a shot of him working out with the Sarah, which made pro wrestling illustrated. Like yeah, I managed him at the, for the match he had against Mark Smith. It was great stuff. It was great times. We will relive it again, guys. And uh, uh, really appreciate you being on the show this week. It's all the time that we have for this week. And we'll you want to get to your week. football game. I know you, Russ. You want to get to your football game. It's true. It's the Niners coming up. I already gave up on the Giants. So Donovan, I mean, combate kurasai. Domerikato gozaimashite. Hey, good to see you guys. Good night, guys. Take care.